Hello and welcome to Skywire's Digging Deep. This podcast is all about amplifying voices that are not often heard and about self-improvement and growth, especially during these challenging times. I'm your host, Daniel Andrade. In order to keep everyone safe and healthy, we are recording this interview a little differently than our other podcasts. Instead of being in the same room with my guests, we are practicing social distancing and recording this interview online. We apologize for how this method affects the sound quality, but also wanted to make sure we could provide you with a show while also keeping everyone safe. With that in mind, let's get started. My guest today is Heather. I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself. So Heather, go ahead and tell us who you are, where you're from, how old you are, what you do, anything you think the people should know about you. Yeah. So hello, my name is Heather. I am 27 years old and I live in San Diego, California. And what I do for a living is I'm a case manager for a nonprofit organization, which a lot of people think that's a social worker. It's kind of like in along the lines. Um, what I do is I just refer my families, particularly my kiddos, <laughs> um, for therapy or into groups or pretty much their basic needs. So currently a lot have been helping with rental assistance or getting them a food and not we're like a one time for coming financially, but to link them into community re- resources that can give them a more longer term on providing those basic needs. That's awesome. And uh, how long have you been doing that job? So I've been doing this job for, I want to say a good year and almost a half. So it's been a lot of, um, <laughs> a lot of stories within that time frame. I get to meet all kinds of people with all kinds of backgrounds and trauma. Like I can't say too much because of confidentiality, mm-hmm. but it's been a, an amazing opportunity just to be part of people's lives and part of their growth, especially the kiddos and seeing how they're like very shy and they go to therapy and they'll be able to work on healthy communication. We are very a preventative program. So we want to encourage like healthy communication and healthy coping skills. I know we have one great program um, that if kids get arrested for minor incidents, like if they were stealing or fighting or drugs, um, it's something to let them reflect and making sure what this behavior was not okay. There is consequences to your action, but also not as like, okay, shame on you, but to really reflect like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be doing this or this can prevent me from um, opportunities in the past or the future because of my actions. So it's a really good organization. (laughs) That's wonderful. And I'm so glad that you're connected with them and that you've been able to put in a good amount of work in even just as short as a year. Uh, You know, a lot can be done in a year, as you said. Uh, Do you think that um, your your career path as a total has kind of been leading you in this direction? Or uh, did this job kind of pop up and all of a sudden you realize that this is something that you were like called to do or something you were meant to do? Like most people, when you're in elementary, when they're going to ask, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I honestly said I want to be a zookeeper. (laughs) And then I saw the amount of science and math and all this stuff I'm not really good at. And that's where I kind of like 
well, I feel like there's a lot of opportunities for somebody who's not good in science or math. I'm not good at writing (laughs) and I'm not good at art, but I'm really good with people skills, I think. And that's something I thought that wasn't really like some you could be get paid for but the passion of wanting to help just increase and throughout the years um I noticed I always help my friends with their problems I'm always like the friend that they go to to talk like a therapy friend (laughs) but I'm not certified so (laughs) um so it kind of led to that and then I was in a little rent I was like I don't know what I'm doing and then I heard the role of social work and I'm like hmm what is that and then I learned there's so many things to do in the field of social work it's very broad and the fact that I could work with youth I could work with the elderly disabled anything I really want to grasp on there's opportunities for me so I thought that was the coolest thing like this job in particular um it was one of those moments I really needed a job and I needed experience and from there I gained more experience than I could ever expect and I never realized how much um working with kids was such a privilege because like they're coming from trauma they they're coming and like I don't want to talk to you strange adults like you're asking me these questions these are personal questions and then I'm like I got to ask them there I have to get to know you and to me it's just the privilege part is like seeing them grow and they feeling like they didn't need me to the point like I did need you, but now I don't really need you anymore. And that's what we want to. It's a short-term program. We want to have our families leave with the tools to, in order to be, indivi- like, they can live independent, you know. But also be mindful. Like, if you do need to help, have us help you again, feel free to come back. You know, we don't want to, like, turn the door against, like, okay, you had our service one time. Don't ever come back. No. <laughs> Please, if you need us, come back. <laughs> It's funny you say that because uh, it reminds me of, uh, well, first of all, like I feel like um, you and I kind of have the same role in a sense uh, of our friend groups because, um, I mean, I majored in psychology, but I'm still the same thing. I'm not like clinically licensed or anything like <laughs> I'm not a board certified or anything, but still like I feel like people uh, feel comfortable in uh, opening up to me and uh, kind of venting with me and um, but even people like us in our roles and our friends groups still have other people that we have to do that to as well. So I know that I've been able to vent with you a few times and that you're, you have a very good ear. You're a very good listener uh, and you're very good at processing what people have to say. So I think uh, people can kind of sense that. Um, But another thing that it kind of reminded me of what you were saying is before uh, my work with Skysoft, uh, the majority of my work was in tutoring and in education And uh, I used to train new tutors and interview them and bring them into the team. And one of the first things I would tell them uh, is that really, ultimately, the job of a good tutor is that they won't need you anymore because you've given them, like you said, you've given them all the tools to be able to do these kind of things on their own, which is very weird because you don't hear too many jobs where you're like, oh, yeah, if you've done it well, then you won't be needed. (laughs) But it, it really is fascinating how there are those certain kind of jobs that really you're just there to to build them up, to provide them with the tools and resources they need to make it on their own. But keeping that door open, but also trying not to hold them back either. So I thought that was really interesting what you were saying there. Um, And all of that kind of leads us into our first set of questions here. So 
question number one for you is how has the pandemic affected your your day-to-day life your daily life yeah so i think like the whole world it took us in a big shock like we did not expect it's like for our nation in general like it's the end of august and we're still in this pandemic we thought this was just a two-week thing so in that same time like i was like okay it's just two weeks i could do this no worries and then a whole month goes by and we're like wait what (laughs) i can't do the things i normally do um i am considered a essential worker which is i'm happy because i feel like in this time like i'm needed more than ever um, I really took my job for granted, like, oh, no, like, I'm just a case manager, I can't do much, but the fact that I've been helping more of my families, it just really shows I am making a big difference, so I feel like if I didn't work compared to working now, I think my answer would be very different, um, and so, like, I feel kind of normal, because I am having my routine, like, I'm getting up in the morning, I have to shower, I have to make a lunch, like, I feel like my day is normalized because I'm working, versus if I was not working, I could be sleeping in and not really being mindful about my mind, like, my mental health, and like, I mentioned this to you before, I believe having a schedule, regardless of working or not working, is so important, because it's keeping you in check, like being mindful of like, okay, it's noon and I have not ate lunch yet. Okay, right there. Or it's three o'clock. Maybe I should get a little snack before I make dinner, you know, or having a routine of like, okay, exercising. I know, Daniel, you were working out really good before this whole thing. So I know that was like a, took everything out to toll. Um, Just, it makes me really appreciate the little things that I wasn't really mindful about like you know (laughs) getting my regular starbucks you know like okay hey i'm going to starbucks that's a normal but like it's a different experience you know versus even going to the grocery store and getting my food now it's i have to wait outside until a certain amount you know or i go to target thinking like i'm getting my cat food and kitty litter And then I'm like, oh, I have to wait. And there's a long line. Now you're like, should I really get this right out now? You know, it makes you really think like, dang, I had it easy. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how, you know, like you're saying, even just the the smallest semblance, the tiniest little feeling of some sort of routine can make such a big difference. Um, So, you know, I myself have had to kind of come up with my own new routine and and it is like you said, like it comes to a certain time in the day and you're like, oh, like usually I should be doing something like this or like that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm late or I'm behind. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, for some reason that like, like you said, that helps me to feel like, oh, you know, I have a structured day or I have a structured week. Um, but yeah, it does help a lot. Um, how has this whole pandemic affected your your work life? Uh, you're still an essential worker. You're still working. So how does it look like going into the office, doing your work from there, doing your work from home? What is that like? Yeah, Um, I have to give my work a little bit more credit. I think it's very nice that they're giving us a choice to working in the office versus working at home. I know a lot of places, they don't really respect that. Like, no, you have to be here, you know. And to me, I'm always about a workspace if I'm going to be dedicating 40 plus hours in my life. Excuse me. Um... 
is this going to be a healthy work environment? And for me, I felt, I know in the beginning it was like, the no one really prepared, like they did not expect this all to happen. So it was like a wave of, let's just kind of get this going. So it was kind of like thrown together. But as it kind of was working out, we we're becoming, this is our norm. So I get the choice to work from home, but also get to work from the office. Um, and I like that because for me personally, um, working in the office, there's less people and we have, we, we are spread out and we will have to wear a mask in the office. Um, we are not supposed to eat lunch together because, okay, you have to take off your mask in order to eat. Um, it is kind of weird when I see people come in and out of the office from like other programs because we share the same space. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, I have not seen you since May. How are you? And you kind of like appreciate those small talks or you appreciate lunchtime. Like, I remember when we used to eat together. How was that? Or like, I get to see you on social media, but it's so different seeing you in person, you know? And I think it's, we're now joking to the point, like we only get to see half of our face. So we're like joking, like, oh yeah, like we can't wait to see what your mouth looks like in a few months, right? <laughs> like our little jokes. Um, I mean, I like it because it's like less people. I'm just, when it comes to work, I like to work in like kind of solitude so I can focus. So it's kind of nice to have more of a space where I can like branch out, spread my paperwork if I needed. And the great thing too is um, they really encourage social distancing at our office. So in case if there was more than two people in the office or even if another person you feel uncomfortable, you're more than welcome to reserve one of the rooms that we do therapy or groups in to do solitude work. It sounds like it's very well structured and very well contained, which is must be very comforting to know because, like you said, there are some places or some businesses out there that maybe are not taking it as seriously. So maybe there's those seeds of doubt. So at least where you're working, you know that they're taking it seriously enough to space you apart and make sure that you're wearing your mask and everything. Um, a question that I had was, you know, you are a social worker. Social is in the name of your job. So how do you do a social job when you have to maintain social distancing and when you have to keep uh, keep apart from people? So how has that aspect of the job been affected by the pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> how do you take social out of social work for the most part? Um, that is the one thing like a red like not a red flag but like the one thing we're questioning how are we going to be doing our work when majority of our work is face-to-face contact so i am very grateful that we are in modern technology where all of our database is online so we have access to our notes and stuff like that we got phones to call from the house because we want to protect confidentiality not just for our clients but for our own not using our personal phones and making sure like we're in a confidential space in this shared household. So that's also another thing too. I want to point out that I'm very grateful. I've, I just live with my mom, you know, so it's just more quiet versus I know one, um, coworker saying I live with like seven other people. I need a sound machine. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot of people. Um, but that's where, communication really puts in with phone calls. I really have to elaborate that, um, making sure we're communicating, making sure too, like, okay, if they're not communicating with us, maybe something's going on, you know, and working. Um, 
normally we just like refer like okay our main focus was just connecting them with therapy and groups which we do through zoom which to me I have no my clients have not been issues I know some families that are not very advanced in the technology that's where we come in as a case manager and bridge that communication like okay here's the therapist here's family here's me like what can I do in that middle just to kind of get an understanding um consent forms we will typically do is an assessment where we'll have the consent forms where they sign and then we'll have a series of questions to get to know the family better that is very different so we'll be submitting the consent forms via email um they're more than welcome to print them and find a way to like scan it over or the worst case scenario which we try to prevent is to take them to the family's home or the family will come to the office to sign them. But we do screening questions, making sure, like, are you have any symptoms? Are you been exposed by anyone to your knowledge? Um, and that's where it's kind of hard because it goes back to trusting what our family is saying. Like, okay, making sure they're not just saying it just so they could get their needs there versus, like, you know, being honest. Um, and that goes for us, too. We have to, every morning, like, I have to do a survey before I come in the office is seeing if I'm having any symptoms, just so we're protecting our own coworkers. So getting consent forms has been a very challenging <laughs> moment. Oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, would you say like, because it sounds like it's a lot of work, you know, and I mean, it's it's necessary work because you're dealing with people's emotions and their family situations and very delicate issues. Um, do you think it's like the same amount of work that you used to do before when you could interact with people face to face or because of this new barrier that you have that you've you've had to take on some extra paperwork, some extra work to make sure that everything is is still, you know, legitimate? Yeah, I have noticed like normally summer is slow for us because like we get our referrals from the schools and if kids are not going to schools, we don't get much referrals. So it's more like our other programs support us, so we've been getting more referrals from different programs or now families that had us before come back. But because of COVID, um, we're helping more of our basic needs, needs that a lot of families don't think about until they're like, okay, I'm unemployed now because of COVID, or I don't have access to go to the grocery store and I need food, you know, um, taking more of like... I felt like I feel like I'm doing more case, like true case management than I was before. Like, uh, here's a referral for therapy, you know, or families didn't feel comfortable enough to say, "Hey, I'm hurting on money. I need a resource." Now it's kind of like they're feeling like, "Okay, hey, this is something really happening to me. I need support." So it's kind of like between families feeling comfortable and safe versus it's like hey, like, I'm asking more questions because of COVID, you know, not just relying on the families, but I'm doing my own assessment. And then besides basic needs, um, we just had, like, a big diversion meeting about we have this other program that does suicide prevention, and they were talking about, you know, the teen suicide and SI, which is suicide ideation and self-harm has increased because of COVID. So it's, and to me, it's like being more mindful about my clients. Like, okay, even though bullying is not really 
a lot because they're not in school. They are cyberbullying, but suicide, you know, being stuck at home all day, and especially if you have a toxic family, you're stuck, you know? So just being more mindful and being mindful about not just for the youth, but the parents, you know? Some parents or some couples stay together because of the kids, because there's no opportunity and they're in a toxic relationship. So being more mindful about that. That's fascinating that, you know, in in light of everything that's going on and, uh, you know, people feel like this is taking away a lot from them. And, you know, it is like it's taking away a lot of things that you've been saying that we used to take for granted. But at the same time, like it seems like from what you're saying that it's almost kind of um, encouraging you to build these like deeper connections and deeper bonds with your clients um, because maybe now they need that that safety, that security, that comfort more than ever. So, and once again, I'm, I'm just glad that you're in a position where you can provide that for people. So that's that's wonderful. Um, how has this pandemic affected your view of the country and of the world uh, as a whole? That's a very there's a lot of ways to answer that because I know my opinions towards this nation started before you know Trump became president you know when there was the election for him and like hearing his thought process and hearing his words influencing other people and I'm like those other people are my friends and family and hearing them agree that's where the start of my opinions has changed I'm like whoa 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 like I thought you and I were on the same page but I guess not you know and then seeing how it led, especially with a pandemic and how he's been, you know, handling the situations and handling like everyone's like, oh, well, we're getting, you know, free money and stuff. I'm like, well, I'm hoping <laughs> we're losing jobs over here. Families are struggling. Like, I'm hoping our government is stepping up and supporting their nation, their their people. You know, that's what a government's supposed to. Like, I, I kind of like annoys me like, oh, he's doing a good job. He's doing this. I'm like, no, he's doing what he's supposed to in the very get go. Um, leadership is really important to me and I'm always the person like for me like although I like to work on my own in solitude I feel like in order to work good I need to have a good team you know I could do my individual work on my own but it takes a team work and I'm not when I'm in my own team I don't think there should be leaders but we are in a government there is a leader and I believe a leader is supposed to have a good guidance for the team if you have a good leader a good team will follow behind and that's what I don't I'm not having a feeling I'm having that right now um a leader that doesn't believe this really is existing or he just came to terms for it like wait a minute have you where have you been since March um <laughs> uh, I thought we were in a pandemic but no I guess not and that's the challenging part because I can't just put the blame on him I'm I'm putting you know a lot of you know, questions towards other people's actions, you know, like, well, just because he's doing it not necessarily means you have to do that, you know, and when I'm saying do that is wearing your mask, practicing social distancing, you know, even the social beliefs too is like, okay, it's making you question like your friends right there, like, okay, how is he handling the social movements that's been going on too, on top of it being a pandemic, so it's just been, a lot of questioning on the nation, on my friends, my families, and myself, making sure if, okay, they're, 
my not being the best role model, how can I be the best role model too? And it's great that you um, bring up social issues because that kind of leads us into the next set of questions here. Um, so how have the social issues that have been raised through this pandemic affected you? Uh, we know that there's been the rise of Black Lives Matter and you know that's coinciding with other issues that were already pre-pandemic like immigration and LGBTQIA plus rights and all of that all wrapped up in this little pandemic package here. So how have the social issues affected you? Affected, like for me personally, so that's the hard part where I feel like I can't fully relate with my friends because I am white. I'm not a person of color. So I feel like a lot of these, like Black Lives Matter, for example, is not affecting me directly because it's not affecting me because of my race, you know? It's probably, if anything, affecting my mindset and identifying my privilege itself, you know, privilege for me to be able to speak up about it, you know? Having a platform, a safe platform, you know, to speak my mind. I think that's a hard part. And then with the nation, kind of going back, Wanting to tie this question and the last question together, I think the hardest part of us moving forward is America has this whole individualism ide- ideation. Like, I'm number one. It's all about me. It's my problem. You focus on you. And that's the hardest part. I think, like, America and a few other countries can be like that, you know? Um, and that's where I find, like, that's where the problem is. Because if you're just focusing on yourself, nothing gets solved. Your pro- your personal problems get solved. But what about a nation's problem, you know? So when I hear people like, well, I guess when I say people, I'll direct it more white. Because it's not affecting them directly. It's like, well, that sounds like their problem. That sounds like they need to deal with that on their own. No, like in order to solve a problem, we need to become an ally. We need to become an active listener. We need to like... And I'm not saying, like, an ally it goes necessarily to a protest and say, oh, I'm an ally. No, there's multiple ways to be an ally, and it's a continuation of it. Um, I know it was a big thing going on when I saw particular white people come to a protest, and they post it on social media, and then they're like, I support this, and then go off, like, their next content. Like, okay, that was last weekend's trend. This time it's going to the beach, you know? Yeah, so it's being mindful about that. This interview will continue in the next episode.